0: I think I confused Rob because I started up too early, but I was confused because I, in all these years, preached here 14 and a half years, I have never entered from that side, so I confused everything. This sermon will be a little bit backwards today, so we'll start with come as we stand and sing and go back from there. There you go. Sorry about that, Rob. I think I I messed you up, but glad you all are here today. It's good to be together, and we have lots of folks that are watching online as well. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you for not just watching, whether you're online or here in the audience, but worshiping, which is what what our Lord deserves and what we want to give him and to share with each other today. Now, most of us know that this is a holiday weekend, that uh, Martin Luther King Jr. is being remembered in our country this week. And I think about a quote that he said that is so, so important for these days, it makes so much sense. He said, like an unchecked cancer hate corrodes the personality and eats away its vital unity boy isn't that true of what hate can do destroying a person destroying a community a society whatever it is and it fits so well with what we're talking about this year of unity of being one in christ that the world will know that jesus is lord when we are one, when we are united as a people, when we reach out as a people, that the world will see Jesus, and the world will say, I want more of that. Well, today you've already seen that we're talking about shining like stars. Back a few weeks ago, I preached on light, and there's so much about light. Really, we could do a whole year on light, but there were a few things I didn't say back then. I thought, well, eventually I'll get them in, and so today that's what we're doing. Not all of it, but a lot of it. Because it's what Jesus called us to be. Is He called us to be stars that shine in the sky, that make a difference in society, that make a difference in the world, that make this world a better place. Not just so humanity's better, but so that that the name of God is proclaimed and people see the power of Jesus and come to Him. This morning, I want us to start out in Philippians chapter two and verses fourteen through sixteen, when the Apostle Paul wrote this letter. To a, little church, uh, to a little church in a city called Philippi. Now, I want you to hear these words. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ That i did not run or labor in vain i want to stop there for just a minute before we go on because i want you to kind of understand this little book of philippians because sometimes we pull a passage here and a passage there and sometimes it can get a little bit confusing but this little letter was written because there were two people not getting along it was written because disunity had come into the church Now we're in a, we are a unified congregation. Don't misunderstand me. As I preach these sermons on unity, it's not to say we're not unified. Obviously, we could always do better, but it's for the idea that we want to be unified so that we win people to Jesus and that we're the shining light for the world. But there were two women in the city of Philippi in the church by the name of Euodia and Syntyche that could not get along. This letter is really short. If you have never read the letter to the Philippians, just open it up in, the, in your Bible or in your phone and read it, and you can read it about four times before this sermon's over. You're going, oh, no, that's been a really long sermon. No, it's just a really short letter. And so they were upset and causing all kinds of friction. And so Paul writes this whole little letter of happiness to the church in Philippi, which is really get yourselves together is what he's saying in a very friendly way. But I want to make sure you have what i have you do on your screen do everything without grumbling or arguing do everything you know what i wish it said i wish it said do some things i wish it said do everything that you like to do without grumbling or arguing i wish it said Do everything that makes you feel good without grumbling or arguing. Now, wouldn't that be good? Because that's the way most of us interpret life. But instead it says, everything. Wow. Now, understand the context. He's writing this 2,000 years ago and really could be said for about any time. And you see it as a quote inside it. But he said, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation it doesn't matter how what your view is on the world and on issues these days i think we can all say that right now as well as back then but right now we live in a crooked and warped generation so it's not like these are just words for somebody else they really apply this is really for us do everything i usually don't give you the greek word and say well the greek word in the original language said this or that some of you do that and that's fine but I'm going to give you one today, what grumbling means. Grumbling means, literally in Greek, murmuring, whispering complaints, muttering under your breath. (laughs) It's kind of funny. Boy, I feel guilty. So, when I read this passage, this passage isn't really for somebody else. It's for me too. It's for all of us, right? So Paul says to this little church that's having these problems, not getting along, and he wants to see the church united because if they're ever going to win the city of Philippi or if they're ever going to win the ancient world to Jesus, the church has got to be unified, right? Christians have to be together, right? And that's the way you win other people and bring other people to Jesus is by showing unity. So he says, do everything, all of it, 100%, without grumbling or arguing. This does not mean that you don't sometimes have an opinion, it doesn't mean that you don't express an opinion, but you find a way to do it that we all get along. You express, you can, we can disagree sometimes, we're not talking about uniformity, but we are talking about somehow having unity. So, considering the culture we live in, how can I live without fussing in this culture? You know that word fussing? I don't know if they said it where you're from, but when I was growing up, my mother would say, stop fussing. You know what I'm talking about? You, just, rang, 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 you know, whatever, Grip about everything, complain about everything. How can we live in this culture without it? Because I don't think we're getting better at it as a culture. I think we're, well, I don't think we're getting better at being uni, unified. I think we're getting worse at unity, I think, as a culture. At least that's what it appears to me. And so, how can we get along without just being fussy? It Seems like these days it's so easy to say things, but it's even easier to type things that cause disunity and hurt people, whether it be for everybody to see on social media or if it's just writing to a friend or to another person in a private text or email or whatever it is. Boy, it abounds, doesn't it? Of people who are, who are fussy. Well, Paul doesn't just leave this passage to us alone, but yet this is in the context of a much larger chapter. And in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, the same chapter, he explains more of what it's like. He says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have a little tiny bit, of encouragement from being united with Christ if you have any comfort I mean smaller than a hair comfort in Christ uh, from his love if you have any common sharing in the spirit I mean a teensy-weensy-weensy little bit of sharing with the spirit if you have any tenderness or compassion I mean any that's in your little finger if you have just that much tenderness, or compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in mind. He says, if you have anything at all. You know what I'm talking about? Probably some of you moms do whenever your kids have argued with each other, and you say, if you'll love me even a little bit, stop, Right? That's what Paul's saying here to the church in in Philippi. He's saying, if you have any joy of being in Jesus, then be like-minded, be united, love Him. You see, we remember we are united with Christ. And when I remember that I'm united with Christ, then all at once things change by the way we act, maybe. You know, if I'm in a rocket going to the space station you know and astronauts now seem to be starting to take off again right and now i hear we're planning to go to the moon again you know i would probably think about if i'm getting on a on a spaceship to go and spend six months with someone i might think about and there are only three or four of us i might think about oh boy it's going to be i'm going to really have to watch my words sometimes because we're together for six months except the body of christ is together forever And the people on the outside, boy, do they love to look at the body of Christ and see what the body of Christ is not doing right. People on the outside love to see, is the body of Christ being hypocritical? Because I hope so, because then I'll have an excuse not to love the body of Christ. I'll have a reason not to, to want to be a Christian. I can tell my grandparents and parents why I don't go to church because I see what, what people are like. That's what they hope. And so then, instead of people ever experiencing the love of Christ, they walk away from, from it, not because they're walking away from Jesus, but because they walk away from us. From us. And then all at once, the responsibility is on us because we have been what had impeded them from knowing Jesus. Now, they still have a responsibility, don't misunderstand me, but there is also a responsibility that's put on us. So, when he talks about our faith and he talks about our unity in Christ, I want you to understand I can lose that, but no one can take it from me. You say, well, what do you mean you can lose it, but nobody take it from me? Well, I can walk away from it, And I can become, Jesus is going to be united, but I'm the one that decides to be disunited. I'm the one that decides to not comply. I'm the one that decides not to be united with Christ or with other people. And I can walk away from that. He doesn't want that to happen. He wants me to stay, but I do have that choice. But if I appreciate my relationship with Jesus, even that much, Paul says, If I find any appreciation of my relationship with Jesus, then I will have the attitude of Jesus. Well, that's hard some days. That's hard some days because some days I wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Some days the problem is not the side of the bed I'm on, the problem is I woke up. And so, some days I don't feel very good. Sometimes people do things that are drastically different than I would have ever done them, or they say things that, oh, they sound so crazy. And it's not that I have to agree with everything. It's not that I have to say, wow, that's the best I've ever seen. It's not that, but somehow I still find a way of unity in Christ because it's in Christ That we win the world and we win the folks on the outside and they start to see Jesus because of the unity they see here because they don't see it on the outside. And so somehow all that comes together because we are called to unify. It's not me, that's Jesus, it's Paul, it's the Holy Spirit inspired words that say that we are to keep our unity in Jesus. And so you say, well how do I do that? How do I do that? What is it that I can do? I've come to church this morning. I've come to worship. I've come, I hear you preaching, and now I feel guilty I need to do something. How do I do it? Stay in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8, one of the most well-known passages of Scripture in the Bible. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Here he is using these big words again. Do nothing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit nada rather in humility value others above yourselves not looking to your own interest but each of you to the interest of the others in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death and even death on a cross. So he says... If you want to be unified, the way you do that is by humbling yourself, not to look for credit, not to say, oh, I'm going to teach, I want to teach a Bible class. I want to teach the adult class. I want to get my microphone right. I want, to teach, I want to teach an adult class, and then all the adults will like me, and I'll make some business contacts that way, and boy, that'll be great for me. Well, you might make some business contacts, but if that's the reason that you're teaching class, do not teach. Because that is not the purpose. You might say, oh, I want to teach the little kids class because I love it when the kids like me. Well, they probably will like you, but that is not the reason to teach their class. You may say, I want to go help with our Forgotten Sinners program that meets here on Thursday nights because I want all those people to feel like that they really need me. Don't do it if that's what it's for. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. You do it because people need help in the name of Jesus. You do it because God has blessed you with knowledge that you need to share so other people can know Christ in a better way. You do it because you see people are hungry and you see people are homeless. That's why you help, not because you get something from it. You may, but that's not the purpose for it. It is always to be shining back to Jesus. You know, sometimes I think when we imagine Jesus in our, in our heads, we just think, oh, it wasn't very difficult. At least for my age, the, the, the Jesuses we had on television before the movie The Passion came out was always this kind of glassy-eyed Jesus that just kind of walked around in the movies, and, and it was kind of weird. It looked like something that was more from a psychedelic type thing from the 60s almost, the way Jesus would walk around. Do you understand the sacrifice that Jesus made? If you live in heaven and you come to earth, earth is pretty good And unless you decide to move to be a, a pauper in the first century in Israel or in Judea. Then it all at once, it kind of changes. I mean, there's not, there's not indoor plumbing and there's not internet. There's not anything like that. That's where Jesus chose to go. Wouldn't you think that would be enough of a sacrifice? And not only that, he never tells anybody off the way we would just because we're mad or spiteful he never does that. He never, because he never sins, he never does wrong. Wouldn't that be enough of a sacrifice for Jesus? And before he even gets to the point of having nails in his hands and his feet, don't forget that he was mistreated in every other way, to have people lie about him, have people stand up in court and lie about what he had done, to have the people he didn't just kind of know, but he was with for three years, betray him. You realize that? And then he's beaten, and he's, the, high court, the high court declares that he's a criminal and lets him, lets him go, go to death. The lower folks want him to die, and he goes through all of that. And he says humble yourself. Yeah, but you know what they said to me? And Paul says, humble yourself. Yeah, but you know what they think? Do you know how they vote? Do you know who their family is? Paul says, humble yourself and have the same attitude as Jesus Christ. Yeah, but you know, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Nothing. Not a little bit, nothing. Isn't that hard? Because we all like it when people like us. I mean, we want that, you know, all about the love languages, words of affirmation. We need those things. Those aren't bad. Don't misunderstand me. But whenever my purpose is not because I'm, I'm helping you, because I'm expecting something back, then all at once I've blown it, right? It's all about helping because, because Jesus helped me. That's why we do what we do. You know, there is no time to grumble when we're serving others. That's not totally true because we can still serve others and grumble. We're just not quite getting it right, right? Back when I was a little boy, there was this commercial on for some kind of car care. It might have been for a battery or some company or something. But there's this guy, he's at home asleep, and he gets a call in the middle of the night, and there's this woman who's stranded. It's raining, and she's stranded out on the road. And I don't know what his name was. It was like like Harold, and says, Hey, Harold, can you come help me? You know, I'm stranded on the road and Harold the whole time as he's getting his getting out of bed he goes this is the last time this is the very last time and he gets in his truck and he's driving and all he says is this is the last time this very last time I'm never doing this again and he gets the woman's car started and she rolls down the window in the rain and says oh thank you Harold he said anytime you know that thought sometimes we just grumble and grumble right so we can serve someone and grumble But whenever we're grumbling, usually, or whenever we're serving, usually we don't have time to think about that. I just know I've got to go help somebody else. I've got to share my faith with someone else. I've got to teach someone else. I've got to go help and help others get food or or lessons or whatever it is that I'm doing. I've got to go help somebody else. And so instead of focusing on what's wrong, I'm focusing on how, how I can serve. I love what the Sermon on the Mount said when Jesus said, Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds. Not so that you'll keep them and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So that when people see it, they go, wow, God is good. And so while you may receive some of the accolade of that because they've seen your light, they're saying, God be praised. God be honored because of who God is and what he is. Now let me say this, along with what Jesus did when he humbled himself and he came, came to earth and went through all that he did for 33 years and then died on the cross, I can use restraint like Jesus. Boy, it's really hard to use restraint. I think we're kind of in a culture that doesn't feel restraint is very important in anything. Sexually, it's not important. For example, it's not important what your mouth says. You can just reel off and say whatever you want to. Words that are said in regular conversation. words that would have never been said in private conversation 20 years ago things that people write about each other and say things that people write about people they've never met christians do everything everything without grumbling or complaining And it doesn't mean I have to tell you every time I disagree. I don't have to. Do everything without grumbling or complaining. Do you remember whenever Jesus is being tried? Do you remember they are lying about the Son of God? They are blaspheming about Jesus. And do you remember what Jesus said? Nothing. Wow. Wow. That's one of the most overwhelming concepts in the Bible to me. He said nothing. They were condemning themselves. He didn't need to say anything. That's a hard one for me. Use restraint. Use restraint like Jesus. Now, I want you to see in this passage the so that. Remember, last week we talked about the so that. Always look for the so that in the passage. Your mother says, I want you to wear your coat in the winter so that you don't get sick, right? So that, that's the reason you have it on. Not because I said so, that doesn't usually work very well, right? But you could try it. Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. This is a passage we saw, I want you to see it in its context. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Now, why would you be a star in the sky if you do things without grumbling and arguing? What makes a star, makes you able to see a star, is it's visible. If it were dark, like everything else in the sky, you wouldn't be able to see sky, the sky. The world complains and argues, and when Christians don't complain and argue, then they stand out. That's where the contrast is. And so, that's what makes us pure and blameless whenever we're not complaining and arguing. That's what, does it. That's what makes you pure and blameless. Obviously, when we're in Christ, you understand the, the context of what he's saying here. It's really hard to stand out when you look like everybody else. When you look like everybody else, how can you tell the difference, right? And so, this isn't about race, and this isn't about culture, and it's not about economics. This is about looking like Jesus, because most people don't. And if we look like Jesus and we can change the world, people say, what is that? You know, nothing is more ungodly than darkness fighting darkness, because it makes the world darker. Oh, but we feel so, so mighty and wrong. It is light that fights darkness. It is light that exposes darkness. It is not darkness fighting darkness. It is not using the tactics of the enemy to fight darkness. I want you to understand this isn't just some good advice. It is good advice, but it's way more than that. This is these are the words of God inspired from the inspired Holy Spirit through Paul. You know, if we spend our time judging other people, if we spend our time trying to get revenge on others, we are wasting our time. You know, sometimes that's the way I am. I don't know if you're this way. I like to see everything that's wrong. You know, oh, he did wrong, whoop, going to chalk him up, uh, she did wrong, yep, that's two for her, that's three for him. Yep, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. God's saying, excuse me, why are you doing my job? You don't have the power of, of giving eternal life or taking it away, therefore get out of the way, please. Where I like to go and, and get vengeance because somebody has hurt me or they've hurt my family or they've hurt my feelings. And oh, that gets me when you hurt my feelings. So maybe I can, maybe I can get you back. Maybe I can punch you, whether it be physically or, or emotionally, and let you have it, right? And God says, vengeance is mine. Get out of the way. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And I keep trying to do God's job. And God says, you know what your job is? Your job is not to complain and not to argue. It doesn't mean you don't have an opinion. It doesn't mean you're not, that you're not fully human and you can't discuss those things, but it says your job is to shine like a star. Your job is to bring people to Jesus. Your people is to reflect the Son of, Christ, son of God through your actions and who you are. Oh, it's so hard to do sometimes. But this is what God wants and it's what the world needs. If there has ever been a time that the world has been divided in my lifetime, I don't know when it could have been any more than what it is right now. And if the church, if Christians will look like they're united and not worry about pointing out everything that's wrong, but instead be pointing to Jesus who is right and saying this is the place of love. This is the place where you can be accepted for who you are because we're going to help you and you help us as we get better and become more like Jesus. If we look like that, This is our time to shine. Have you ever heard that phrase before, your time to shine? This is the church's time to shine in this world that is so incredibly divided. And if we let it go away, shame on us. We have been called for such a time as this. And if we become a part of the fray, if we become a part of the mess, we have missed it and the the devil has won what would we be thinking? Instead of thinking, oh, I want to jump on the bandwagon. Oh, no, 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 no. I want to stay with Christ because people are going to see more than ever that they need hope because what's being offered to the world is hopeless and what Jesus offers is hopeful. See, this is our time to do incredible things. This is how we shine. Think about Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9 in that same little book. Or letter, and Paul says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Well, he's doing it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say it. Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I want to stop with this passage. I want to to kind of break this down here for just a minute. I want you to see what he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Now, sometimes we sing in this passage of scripture, some of you will know that, and boy, it's exciting and post-COVID, I'm excited about maybe a day we'll be packed again, and we can sing this song, and oh, it'll feel good to be together. I've sung it like that so many times, and oh, it feels good. We sing Rejoice in the Lord Always, and again I say Rejoice, and you're smiling, and everybody's happy. But how about if I'm at the hospital? Rejoice in the Lord Always. In those days that we stand by the casket, of a parent or a spouse or a child. Rejoice in the Lord always. And Paul says, again, I say, rejoice always. You see, this isn't just about when I feel good. This isn't just about whenever things go my way and I get what I want. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. This is out of the English Standard Version. I love this word it uses. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Another one of those big words. I don't say it much because I don't know how to get that many consonants and vowels all together. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Wow, is that not the word we need these days? Is that not a word that will resonate with the world? Reasonableness. feels like the world is very unreasonable some days. So rejoice always, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord's at hand. Do you know what that means? You're saying, does that mean Jesus is coming back right away? Not necessarily. What it means is the Lord's got it. I'm taking care of it. I'm not out of control, never have been. So therefore, don't be anxious about anything. I've got it, is what Paul is telling us about Jesus. And everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving Let your requests be known to God. And then go to that next slide. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise. I want you to hear this word again. If there is anything... Can you think of one thing to praise God for? And if you can only think of one thing, then think about that thing all day. If there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and have heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. This is how we stop our desire to argue and complain right here. Focusing on what is true, and what is honorable, and what is just, and what is pure, and what is lovely. These are the things. This doesn't mean we don't have to deal with problems. Sometimes, of course, we do. There are times that we have to deal with with, with interrelational issues, and times we deal with job problems. We understand that. But when we talk about what the Christian life is like, this will change everything. If I can become a person, that this is where my mind goes. Wouldn't it be an interesting study? Just write this down this week. And some of you are going to say, well, I don't even worry about that. I like it whenever I look at my phone. I get most of my news off my phone. And you know what it says when I read an article? Three-minute read, five-minute read, seven-minute read. When you're starting to read those things, write down, just for one week, just write down how long those reads it says they are. Or if you sit down to watch the news, whether it be local, national, state, whatever, how long did you sit there? 30 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour and a half? What did you sit? Just sit there. Just put that in a column. Now put this other column over here and how much time you spent reading the Bible and praying. See where they add up. Huh, if I'm really stressed because I've had nine hours over here and I've had... Well, if I count in worship service, then I can get in an hour and four minutes. Hmm. And why, is, why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? Hmm. You see what I'm saying? It's what sometimes fills our minds and our thoughts. And so, if it were over here... And it's the Bible and it's prayer and I'm getting out and I'm serving my neighbors and I'm making cinnamon rolls for folks. Boy, that's a good idea. And making cinnamon rolls for people or I'm taking out their trash or I'm going over and visiting people or, or wouldn't staying six feet away or whatever it is. Wow, it changes. It changes. You know what the world wants to do? It wants you to get sucked in on this. Because this sells, literally sells, because you buy what's on the advertisements whether you know it or not. This just makes the world a better place on this side. This makes heaven, so to speak, a better place because it means people will be there who wouldn't have been there because they'll come to Christ. So, two quick questions. How will we shine? And how will I shine? What am I going to do to be a star? And I don't mean a star, so I get the credit. I mean one of the millions of stars that are in the sky so that people can see. You know, this, is, this is, illustration doesn't completely work, but it does a little bit. Now, you take, if we said that this podium here, this is truth, okay? This is God's Word. This is truth. It sits right here. Call it the church, whatever you want to say. The church is trying to be in the truth, and here we are. And, and like I say, it's not exactly true, but for a lot of my life, I felt like the world was over here, and we were over here, And we're so close, we can touch them. And we're saying, come, come, you need to know Christ, you need to know Christ, come, come, you know. And and sometimes we'd kind of get over there a little bit, but we were trying to bring the world here, we were this close. I don't know, in the last, whatever time frame you want to say, in recent memory, it feels like the world is not here anymore. It feels like the world is way back here. You know what it feels like we've been, what we've done, Some us churches have done, people have done sometimes? We as Christians, instead of staying right here, we've gone chasing after the world with our finger right over here. They sin, we sin back at them. Some of us have just gotten right in the trap and we're way over there with the world. The rock does not move. The truth does not move. We were called to be a lighthouse. We were called to be the stars in the sky. I grew up in a little town, as you all know, 2,200 people. Probably every night of the summer, I would walk outside at some point. We would play outside at night. Every night, if I chose to, I could look up and I could see the Milky Way. I mean, if you have not been out in the country before and seen the stars, it will scare you. There are so many there. Nights can be so bright, especially when you have a, a full moon out there. I mean, so bright. It's not at all what I would have imagined it being like or what some people do. But you know what happens here in the city? Here in the city, there's so much light, you can only maybe see one or two stars because there's so much clutter in the way. Some of us are so in the clutter that we miss the light, and Jesus is saying, I'm calling you to be one of those stars, to be that light, to guide the way, to shine so that other people can see, so those who are travelers don't get lost, but instead find the right direction and the place to go, and it's not because you're the light, but it's because Jesus is the light, and that, we're, and that he is being reflected, or, or we're reflecting his light through us well, I shine for Jesus. So some of us this morning, we may need to be baptized and say, I'm ready. I need the light. I'm tired of being in the world. You can be baptized into Christ, receive forgiveness of sins, receive the light, so to speak, that will be in you forever, that God will be in us through the gift of the Holy Spirit. He'll be a part of His rock. For others of us, maybe we need prayer. We can come down here to this pew in just a moment, and we'll pray for you here. We'll pray for you if you write to us at elders at mcoc.org. We'll pray for you if you find us out in the four-year afterwards. Maybe you just want to go home and pray alone. That's okay, too. But we want to glorify God and honor God and put God first. Come as we stand and sing.